to your success. To your success is the number one gifting service for home services companies. Because you're a different contractor, you care about customers and want to express appreciation to build strong customer relationships. But you need a process that's effortless for you while feeling relational to your customers. There is an answer. To Your Success gives you the ability to automate a handcrafted thank you gift as soon as you complete a job. Visit toyoursuccess.com to learn more or schedule a live demo and receive a sample cookie gift. Delight your customers, build relationships, and cultivate loyalty. Visit toyoursuccess.com. Welcome to The Successful Contractor, powered by Success Group International, a show for residential contractors about residential contractors. We chronicle business journeys, share insights, and celebrate successes in this wonderful industry. I'm your host, Bob Houchin. Hello there, SGI family and other contractor friends. I'm so thankful you're here. As a reminder, all episodes of The Successful Contractor Show are available on YouTube, as well as your podcast player of choice. Uh, also, if you're a non-member interested in learning more about SGI and how we can help your business grow both on the top and bottom line, while also becoming a part of the contracting industry's largest network of successful contractors, we're having Profit Day seminars in Houston, Boise, San Antonio, Winston-Salem, Colorado Springs, and Dallas. That's all just in the first quarter. So give us a call at 866-299-8505 to attend. Uh, SGI members in those markets, if you'd like to come and share with everyone your experiences with the group, give give your coach a call. We'd greatly appreciate you giving your testimonial. Today's show is a great discussion I had with Doc Holliday, Chris Holliday, and Mitch Armitage of Holiday Heating and Cooling in Spokane, Washington. Uh, this is a great story for so many reasons. Um, Let's, let's turn back the clock a bit. Doc started the business many, many years ago, uh, joined SGI about 15 years ago. At that point, he'd already gone through a lot. The business was only doing about a million dollars, and Doc was tired of working those 16-hour days and really not making much money. Uh, over the next decade and a half, along with Chris and Mitch, these three men have turned holiday heating and cooling into a finely tuned operation. In 2019, Holiday did $3.1 million. In 2020, it did $5.1 million. This year, they're about to close out at $7 million. Best of all, those revenue numbers the last three years were all achieved while hitting between 16 and 20% net profit. Well done. Uh, Doc, Chris, and Mitch have grown the right way. As you will hear Doc say, they did it by taking care of their customers, taking care of their employees, and having a little fun doing it as well. Uh, stories like Doc's are why I love this business. He busted his butt for decades. Uh, and recently, he sold Holiday Heating and Cooling to Chris and Mitch. So while he'll still remain somewhat involved, he's earned the right to begin enjoying uh, a well-deserved retirement. So well done, Doc. Your SGI family is super, super proud of you. Uh, with that being said, let's hear the story of Holiday Heating and Cooling uh, from Doc, Chris, and Mitch themselves. By the way, if you're a smaller to mid-sized company looking to grow aggressively, these gentlemen drop more than a few nuggets. So I hope you take some notes. Uh, please enjoy. Gentlemen, so good to see you. Thanks for being on the show today. Very excited to have the opportunity to talk to all three of you. Uh, for those that haven't had the pleasure of meeting you at an expo or, or whatever SGI event down the line, uh, could you share your names, your company names, and uh, where you guys are located? Doc, why don't you start us off? Well, I'm Doc Holliday. Real name's Robert Russ. Everybody just calls me Doc. Uh, Chris is my son, Chris Holliday. He came on board about five years ago and mm -hmm ready to take the whole thing over and uh mitch is our sales manager slash everything pretty much and he came on about 10 11 years ago okay. he came off the service tech and then he was decided he needed to go do sell frito-lay chips or something i don't know what it was <laughs> he came in and visited me one day and, and i offered him a job as sales guy and he's like didn't really couldn't believe it. And I said, yeah, I meant that, you know, he's been here ever since. Been That's great. Asset, I can say that. Okay. Very good. And the name of the company is for those again. The yeah. Holiday heating and cooling. Very and good. we're in Spokane, Washington. Beautiful Spokane. I haven't been there, but I hear it's, it's lovely. So very glad to have you guys on. And the reason we're talking is it's been a pretty good uh, two or three years for a holiday. Maybe share how you guys have grown uh, I think 2019 things really started catching, and then uh, you've been on fire uh, the last two some odd years. Well, 
we struggled with the 1.5, 1.8 million thing. And when I came into F- <clears throat> airtime, we uh, I was about a million dollar company, and it just sure. I just couldn't get past 1.8, and it took a lot of things. And then, uh, oh, probably about seven or eight years later, Chris came on board, and mm-hmm. which kind of really helped things because I really needed somebody that could do all the things that I couldn't do. Sure. And uh, so we got involved with Gino Gruber, and he's really been our real real push uh, along with the airtime you know things that we do. Sure. So working with Gino, we we finally hit the uh, the book model 2.5, and I just thought, oh my god, you know that's amazing. <laughs> been wanting to be one of them guys forever. Sure. And then you know, and then the last three years, I think you know, we went from two, we went to 3.1, and then we went to 5.1 last year, and now we're on track for what are we on track for, Chris? Uh, we're gonna break seven. We're gonna break seven million. That's awesome. And it's uh, the growth has been very quick, uh, yeah. really scrambling to get people and everything. But sure, but so we'll get far, into that. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like we really kind of where we're, we're, where we're at, we're kind of what I dreamed of, you know? And yeah. You go to airtime, you got, oh, here's these guys, they're $5 million. I'm like, they're huge. Well, they are really. <laughs> they are. And, and then when you start growing like that, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm blown away. Very, yeah. very blessed and very thankful. And you don't get there alone. Oh, for sure. And and I, I have to point out that that revenue com- number comes with the right uh, margin number as well. Because uh, we know revenue is fun, but uh, it's a profit. Yeah. The best. I'll just share what we did last year. We finished out at, well, the 3.1 year, we were about 16. Last year, or 2020, we were uh, right around 18, 19%. Yeah. Yeah. And this year, uh, we're kind of mixed up. We don't have a real right reading, but I believe we're somewhere around 18, somewhere in there. That's great. Love it. I love it. Um, Now, you mentioned, I want to get into the history of the company and and all that good stuff, because I love that part. Before we do, though, you said it takes a lot of people. There's two people there that you obviously are part of your team. Maybe share who else is in the office. So for people looking to aspire to grow to your size, they kind of know what that infrastructure looks like. So who else is inside? Well, we have uh, we have a bookkeeper, which currently we need two people in there for that. Yeah. Um, we have four CCRs. Mm-hmm. I like to be top heavy on the girls. Okay. This is because somebody's either getting sick or their their kids or something like that. And the phones are yeah. like re- really really important, so we yeah. tend to carry four people. I call it being top heavy. Sure. And um, along with that, we have. Uh, we run in seven service guys. Okay. Uh, eight, eight, eight. We have uh, four. Is it three or four uh, maintenance techs? Okay. And then the rest of them are dyad techs. Okay. We got five install crews. Great. And we have capability of six. Okay. And for every truck, it seems like you can do about another million dollars. No uh, that's, uh I've been told that before, and now I believe it. So. <laughs> Oh yeah, um, our sales guys. We yeah. have Mitch was a sales guy, and he kind of goes in and out between managing them. We have three or four sales guys. Okay, and um, two and, those service techs are selling and, and two service uh, selling okay. techs, and okay. and an in-house electrician too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Sure. Very good. Who who handles like the uh, the dispatching and the setting the board for the techs and making sure you got the right guy going to the right opportunity. Is that one of the girls or one of the managers who does that? It's one of the girls and that be uh, Kelsey and she's our CCR manager okay. and pretty sharp at it. Yeah. And uh, she pretty much oversees what's going on there. Sure. Sure. That's great. Excellent. Well, very good. I want to be sure to point those out and make sure to, everyone knows what that team looks like. So thanks for sharing that. Um, before we get more into the operational things and all the neat things that, that you guys do so well, I want to learn the story because I think there's so much that can be learned from it. I know you came aboard with, with SGI slash airtime in early 2000s, like 05, 06, but obviously the business existed before then. So when did you get into this crazy industry and what drove you to it? <laughs> well, I, I'd already worked in the industry and, and uh, I used to go behind these other companies that were supposedly the great company and 
Yeah. And what inspired me was their crappy work, you know. <laughs> and it was like, uh, I'm not a perfectionist, but I like to have things done, make it look clean and right. And uh, yeah. I don't know, I came back from uh, New Mexico working down in another heating outfit, moved back to okay. Spokane. And uh, I just decided I'm going to start my own. I went back to work for somebody. And then I just decided I'm going to start my own business. Yeah. And I started out on the back of a Volkswagen Rabbit. And uh, <laughs> I, had a, I had a cardboard box full of tools. And, yeah. and I kind of did it the old-fashioned way. I went uh, down the strip, this uh, commercial place, and I just kind of knocked on every door, gave them okay. a card. So yeah. somebody gave me a job, you know. Okay. First job was at a Chinese restaurant fixing an ice machine. And uh, that was how I bought my, I uh, figured I could buy my uh, vacuum pump, some torches and everything I needed by just that one job. So yeah. I really did start, you know, out of with a cardboard box with hardly, you know, I had hand tools and stuff like that. Sure. Then I got licensed and bonded and all that. And so I was working part time for another company. Uh -huh. And uh, doing this, you know, I would I, not really on the side because I was legitimate. They didn't care as long as it didn't interfere with them, which I made sure that was sure. true. Then I quit them and I went to work for a hospital for five years. Oh, okay. And, uh, that was a piece of cake. Then I was really able to do a lot more with my business. And okay. It was exciting. I couldn't wait to get off work, go, you know, do jobs and stuff like that. So I was, I was doing install and service. And then finally, we, there was a big break in, in Spokane, and the um, the power company for natural gas was paying company uh, everybody big bucks to convert over. Well, everybody sure. and their brother jumped on board. That was about the time um, I quit my job. So I had two guys working for me full time when I was working yeah. at the hospital. So that's really where I got my start. And then I had a big shop. So we fabricated our own duct. Yeah, we just slowly bought our trucks and kind of really outfitted everything. And I, I basically was the sales guy, <laughs> the boss, uh, the service guy. I was everything. And and yeah. there was a lot of, you know, working 14, 16 hours a day. It really wasn't that tough today. That's kind of hard. <laughs> <laughs> you, you tried, but it, it's not it's not working anymore. But that was the norm, you sure. know, then. So. After about five years of that, four or five years, I was looking for a building, and I found this one in, in downtown Spokane, and it was an owner, you know, I got to buy it, so the owner carried the contract, which was really, really shifted us into into the gears. Yeah. And uh, now we were downtown, right across the street from our wholesalers, and we were able to put together a lot of things. Yeah. And then 9-11 showed up mm. and just about busted us, yeah. just about took us down. Yeah. And uh, had to have my wife come back to work for us. <laughs> I said, <laughs> anyhow, but <laughs> good transition, Doc. <laughs> it was horrible, to be honest with you. I'm not with her anymore, so I can say that. <laughs> oh, well, that's so we got I'm through saying. the 9/11 thing, and uh, not without being scathed. I had. Uh, I had to talk to my creditors, talk with them every month, say I could give them this much, and blah, blah, blah. We got tied into a, a really huge geothermal job, and that okay. bellied up right around 9-11. Mm -hmm. So, but anyhow, I survived it. And then we were doing commercial, a lot of commercial refrigeration, doing everything, anything and everything, and beating our heads against the wall. Right. Again, 14, 16-hour days in the office, going home at 9. And I got... Uh, a direct mail piece across my uh, desk one day sure. and it was from Weatherford, Texas and I can't remember the guy's name uh, anyhow uh, not Temp Wright or was it Brett, Hobson? Huh? Brett, Ob Brett Hobson? Yes, Brett Hobson I think so I, I probably wrote it honestly <laughs> You did? Probably, <laughs> I used to write all the direct mail for us yeah, for, for a long time no. It was pretty good. It was like seven pages long. And yep. here's this guy sleeping on it. It was Brett sleeping on his uh, drafting table. And I'm like, hmm, this guy looks like me. You know, so I read <laughs> first. And I, and I just threw it on him over to my desk. I said, I'll read it later. Sure. So I come in at five o'clock in the morning and start working. So the next morning I came in 
saw that letter and I grabbed it, I read two more pages of it. And I go, oh my God, you know, this sounds exactly like me, you know? So, so I threw it over the side, didn't pick it up for three more days. Next, so about yeah, three or four days later, I pick it up and I read the whole thing. And I go, this is what I'm looking for. I had been looking for the systems. I didn't want to reinvent the wheel with somebody that didn't know what they're doing. Sure. And to me, this just sounded like things. So I took one of my service techs with me, Todd Williams, and he was my devil's advocate. And we went down there and there was probably 40 people in there. Yeah. And Brett was is so gracious. He even opened up his books to show us the real payrolls because my guy didn't believe it. He said, no way. <laughs> Brett, goes, yeah. Brett goes, come on yeah. back there. I'll show you. Don't you tell anybody this. Yeah. But there was only two of out of 40 that signed up. Halfway through it, I said, where do I sign? It was yeah. a no-brainer. Right. Absolute no-brainer. I didn't need to hear really anymore. Right. And uh, so I get back. I'm so excited, man. I mean, I'm crying. I'm excited. This is like, God, this is what I've been waiting for, you know? Yeah. First thing we did, cleaned up the area, put everybody in uniforms, got rid of yeah. all the commercial, uh, anything, refrigeration. We were $200,000 in receivables, and I couldn't get one oh. dime of it because oh. yeah. we were having to borrow money for pay- to make payroll. It would sure. come in, but slowly come in, you sure. know? So we just changed our gig. We started, uh, we got priced right was the first thing. Yeah. This is why we're broke, because you're not priced right. Right. <laughs> you know, and so. Funny how that works, yeah. After the first year, we had put people in training over to Missouri. Got everybody yeah. trained in uniforms. And at the end of the first year, I had $100,000 in my savings account. Mm. And I, I'm like, Where's the, where the hell is this money coming from? <laughs> you know, you're not you making money, and all of a sudden right. you're making it. You're like, right. uh, so that's pretty much how we got our start. Um, yeah. it's, it's been a great thing. I will have to say I, I'm a really slow learner, and right. I wish I would have put in more time during the first 10 years because yeah. I, I just, I'm not that smart. I'm just smart enough to get the right people to do the work is really what it is. And like Leland Smith said, he goes, I'm not that smart. I'm just a great copier. <laughs> you know, Smith, right? oh, I know Leland well, yeah. Yeah, well, I yeah. remember I'll never forget when he said that. I was down in San Diego. Yeah. And so that's and then once Chris came on board and we had some really good people and uh sure. Mitch, it's just it just started to come together and Gino yeah. and we were training with Gino and we still sure. are. Yes, yeah. part of the cost of doing business. That's the way Oh yes, yeah. for sure. And he and he his roots are in airtime and he worked yeah. with us for a long time for doing yeah. his own thing. And Gino's yeah. good people. I, I like him. He's a good, good guy. So let's talk about, though, the last, you know, so so Chris and Mitch, you guys come aboard. And, and, and you know, it seemed like you said the business kind of, had, you'd grown and you were starting to make money. And it kind of stagnated for a little bit up until the last, say, three or four years, right? And things have really right. been on an upward trajectory. Let's talk about that. So for people, because we get, there's lots of members in that, in that position where, kind of hit that glass ceiling. We're profitable. We're making money, but darn it. I want more. I want to do, I want to blow this thing up. What did you guys do? What were some of the key changes? If you looking back that you made over the last three or four years that really resonated? I mean, can you, can you pinpoint, was it just marketing better, doing better with the opportunities you had, you know, hitting the KPIs that maybe you weren't hitting before? What do you think? You want to go, Mitch? Yeah, um, I think one thing to, to understand with that is, yeah, we sit here and we can pat ourselves on the back. Hey, we're doing great and everything. But one thing you kind of have to realize is you always talk about climbing your mountain and you want to get to the top of it. Yeah. So one thing that you have to accept is your mountain keeps growing. <laughs> so you're never going to get to the top of it. And It never gets easy, does it? Oh, um, <laughs> when Chris came on, I mean, I, I was kind of the only sales guy doing it the, the airtime way at the time. And yep. I had gone to a couple of lawns classes. Um, I, I had been to St. Louis. Doc sent us to Rapport, which was a big, a big thing. Oh, well. yeah. Yeah. Getting sure. inside of that comfort zone. Um, but when Chris came on, Chris was, I mean, he's got a college degree. <laughs> and we... <laughs> That's what we needed. And Chris was able to set things into place. But mm-hmm. Chris was in sales. He worked his way to where he was, too. He just didn't come in and start making calls. 
right. marketing and all of that as well too helps. And I think what between Chris and Doc, the way that they think is alike, they have the same goal, but they do it in a different way. Yeah. Hiring people, training that he's spending money on training for your employees and then making yeah. it a good place to work as well. That's all what helped the company grow. Yeah. How, Doc, how important was it for you to, like, you know, Chris and Mitch both, they didn't walk into the roles that they're in now. They had to kind of grow up within it, right, and kind of earn their stripes a little bit. How how important was that for them to have that process? And you guys, too. I mean, it's, just, it's not just a question for Doc, but was that was that intentional that you wanted them to, to kind of earn their stripes before getting these leadership roles? Yeah, it's, um, I think it's a natural thing. It's like, because <clears throat> if you're not going to be, if you can't, if you're, Messing up as a leader, obviously you got to either have more training, but I think uh, both of them have the natural ability to go through there. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm a great, great leader, but I have a way of getting things done. I mean, yeah. we're all we all can use improvements, but I don't know if I answered your question correctly or not. Yeah, but they they, they naturally work themselves up to where they are at. Yeah. yeah. And mentioned Chris, how valuable were your experiences in the field and, and kind of growing up in this business um, in, in, t- in terms of how you do your jobs today? How valuable was that background? Well, I, you know, I will say, um, you know, especially being um, the son of the, bo- of the owner, uh, no matter what the situation, you're never going to be treated as an equal. You either get everything handed to you on a silver platter or you got to right. work for it. So in order to gain the respect of, you know, your peers, you know, yeah, you got to go through and, you know, you got to get dirty and earn your stripes. And um, I think it was very important for me, especially, uh, to have done that. You know, growing up, I grew up in the crawl space, you know, working for the old man in the summer, and, uh, you know, on spring breaks and whatnot. Um, but but understanding what all these guys are going through and the processes and frustrations that they go through. If I don't see that firsthand myself, it's to me, it seems very tough to make the company better. If you don't understand what our employees are going through themselves. Sure. Sure. Very good. Yeah. Now, Doc, how did you know that uh, the Mitch was ready for this elevated role? You know, I mean, obviously he's not family, but he's been with you a long time. You know, what yeah. what about him? For people looking to ele- find people within their own companies that are talented to, to lead. What I liked, what I saw in Mitch was enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't a quitter. Um, he People liked him. He had, you know, he was clean cut. And we had another guy that worked for us for 18 years, John. That guy was, he was a tech and a sales guy, but not really a good sales guy and then once once he he was a what do you want to call it uh, a service manager yeah he he was in our way is what it was but yeah once Chris came on but um no Mitch just he just he was always there I just loved his dedication and his attitude and yeah. uh you have to have people you got to hire the right people <laughs> My God, we've hired many of the wrong ones, man. No doubt about it. <laughs> That's part you know, of it. I, yeah. I would say as well, kind of on that note, is hiring the people, you know, to bring us to where we've come in the last couple of years. It's taken a long time to get people to believe sure. in what we're trying to accomplish and pushing the cart in the right direction. And mm-hmm. and having all these systems in place and knowing what our end goal is. Ultimately, the end goal is just to take care of our customer and do the best job that we possibly can. And the, sort of the, some of the steps that go in between, it's hard to get people to believe sometimes in where you're going. Mitch always believed in it. Yeah. Um, we, we've had some you know, guys in the past that didn't believe in it and that were a roadblock to what we believe was our success. And I think that by um, hiring new people, that we tell them where we're going and what we're trying to accomplish. They're on board with us and everyone's pushing the cart in the right direction now. And I believe that is a major part of our success in the last couple of years. So, so is it getting the right, it sounds like it's getting the right people first, 
the right attributes and then yeah. selling them on the vision. So when you guys hire today, um, what are you looking for? Is it just energy or what, like hire, what attributes? Hire for attitude, train for success. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the interview process is, it's tough, especially nowadays because it's so hard to find people that work. Sure. But if you get the guy with the right attitude and you're willing to spend some time on that person, that's what's going to make the best employee. You yeah. have to be as, as much as they need to invest in their training and their learning, you've got to invest equally back in them. Yeah. Right. 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 One other thing, too. We, uh, we say it's like, okay, customer first, employee, then company. And you really, if you're going to make money, then you got to share that pie. You can't be a greedy piece of crap and, and owner. <laughs> and, and people the money, you know, yeah. people, these guys are looking for the white picket fence in the home and on yeah. the whole nine yards, and you got to share it. And yeah. so I feel that we pay these guys well. That's one of the reasons we pick up the medical, do all those things yeah. to hang on to these people. Now you're going to get stabbed in the back here and then, but you sure. know what? Call it a people, blessing. People. It wasn't going to last. That's a good point. Uh, That's a really good point. We do use a lot of our, I believe our advertising. We advertise very, very strong for probably seven to 8% of our budget. Yeah. And um, it, uh, we, we just never stopped advertising. Yeah, and our success through advertising, and we've been doing that ever since we got into airtime. We got yeah. into the right company and everything. We don't do any direct mail. We've done it, but we've been successful with branding. That's all we branding. do is branding. Yeah, and all we do is teach. Our commercials are about heartfelt, doing the right thing, yeah. kind of like home heating. And uh, yeah. you know, like Christy. those guys yeah. are amazing commercials. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so that's a good, I'm glad you brought that up. Of those people that are applying now, are they experienced people that know your brand now, or are they mostly younger people that are just looking for opportunity or people trying to change careers? What do you think you're, you're typically getting in people you know, looking for jobs? Well, I, I, would, I would say it's all across the board, yeah. to be completely okay. honest. I would say that our branding's working because all of them know who we are. But, yeah. some of, but some of them are coming from other companies. We just got one last week uh, from another company that just wanting a better place uh, to feel like a home. Uh, yeah. We're also getting people that are uh, completely outside the industry that just have drive and haven't found their niche yet. And yeah. um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really all of those you know, yeah. coming together, not one specific, uh, you know, source. Who, uh, who handles the interviewing? What's like, what's the process? What's the funnel like? If it's, um, if it's a, for a CCR position, or yeah. bank, it's usually, we have our, our CCR manager there, usually mm -hmm. me or Chris, and, uh, usually three, three to four people going okay. through it. We have them give them a test, uh, not for CCR, but personality personality test okay good yeah got to kind of see where they're at um service guys we give uh, just a simple uh, electrical test about service and installers we give them a test for installing but mm -hmm. usually when it uh, comes to the guys usually there's three or four of us interviewing okay and, and it's three of you at one time or is it like three of you over multiple interviews it could be a second interview it could, yeah we bring them in a second time sometimes uh Takes them a half hour to fill out all this, do the test. Sure. It takes them an hour to do the test. You already yeah. figured out they don't know. <laughs> but that doesn't mean they're not hireable or trainable. Sure. You, sure. you know, we like this hiring the military. We can find them. And um, the hiring process is usually done. Usually you're coming back a second time. We call you back mm -hmm. a second time. It probably means we're probably going to hire you. Yeah. You know? Are there, uh, are there certain um, things or like red flags you're always looking for? Like, you know what, you've been interviewing people a long time. So get, get some, what are some tips and some secrets you're like, if you've learned over the years? Yeah. Um, tattoos all over your neck and hands is one of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. The, uh, 
the wrinkly shirt. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. we hired this guy. I, I thought, don't hire this guy because he came to a nice guy, great guy. He was actually a good work. But his shirt was looks like he just pulled it out of the, uh, you know, the dirty <laughs> hand. It was dumpy, you know, not the yeah. cleanest dirty shirt. <laughs> but he always came to work like that. But it proved yeah. out that he was very kind of unorganized. Yeah. And he was not, uh, what do you want to call it? De a detail mm -hmm. and stuff yeah. like that. And I, and I, I wasn't prejudiced. That. I just thought, hmm, you know, if you can't even iron your own shirt, what are you going to do for us what, when well, you're sure. looking at this? Small things. Well, sure. Um, the other thing is, you know, you can, you know, wait, I'd say two out of 10 have felons or felons or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yep. And you, I, I would say, you know, one thing I've noticed is the guys that, like, or even gals too, that are, you know, that apply for office jobs, if they don't dress for an interview, come dress. I mean, you don't have to be wearing a suit and tie by any means, but sure. But if we get people coming in their pajamas and it's like that is a sign, that is a major sign of, you know, how seriously you take, you know, your life in general. And, yeah. you know, we've hired people that, you know, have had, you know, holes in their shirt and, you know, yeah, you know, and they don't tend to last very long, even if they get hired in the first place. And there is there is a fine line in every interview to like, I want to be interviewed as well. I want to know what they want. Yeah, uh, one interview we did for one of our lead installers, um, he basically just had a list of questions. Mm. Um, his wife wanted to know some things about the company as well. And that kind of shows me that, okay, I want to work for someone who cares about me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but if someone's just flying off the handle telling you about all the cool stuff that they can do and not be and you don't get one word and that's kind of a red flag as well too sure <laughs> sure is there are there certain work histories or things you go like someone's changing jobs every three days or or yeah. you know what kind of is yeah. there anything that kind of stuff yeah we get and uh, we see that we look at the resume usually most people have one yeah. and when it's just littered with a uh, year to year to year to year to year it's like i mean we still interview them and but uh, we give them the test, test them, test them, test them, and it kind of kind of sets the stage where we're at and with yeah. what kind of company they're going to come to work for. We care enough that they have to do that kind of a test. But yeah, we're we're looking for long-term people. Support for this podcast comes from Reem. Brothers Richard and Donald Reem founded Reem Manufacturing Company in Emeryville, California, in 1925. The company has produced a number of cutting-edge products in its 89 years of operation. Today, Rheem is North America's only manufacturer of HVAC, water heating, pool and spa heating, and commercial refrigeration solutions. For more information, go to Rheem.com. Welcome back to the show. I'm talking with Doc Holiday, Chris Holiday, and Mitch Armitage of Holiday Heating and Cooling in Spokane, Washington. So far, we learned how Doc started Holiday Heating and Cooling out of his Volkswagen. And from those early days, he shared how he began to slowly change the company, getting the right processes and procedures in place that would later allow the company to grow. Uh, we also learned that he had a lot of help with uh, Chris and Mitch as they earned leadership positions as a result with Holiday. Um, in the second half of this conversation, we're going to continue to talk about their hiring process, uh, namely how they plan for manpower to grow as quickly as they have. We're going to talk about how they onboard and train. We're going to talk about some of the recent adjustments to their install team that's uh, led to some great results. We're going to talk about how their sales process has uh, really allowed them to flourish and how they approach accountability with their sales team. Of course, I pressed stock on what his plans were for retirement, and I pressed uh, Chris and Mitch what their plans are for the business over the next five to 10 years. So let's jump back into my conversation with Doc, Chris, and Mitch of Holiday Heating and Cooling in Spokane, Washington. So when, you, when you're growing as fast as you guys are, and you guys have really grown fast the last three years, I mean, that takes a lot of people, right? There's a lot of, how much planning are you doing? So you're like, okay, we need to have two more or another install truck by uh, May, so we have to hire by, like how much of that are you guys talking about and strategizing about that versus just? We, 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 were, just, we were just daily. talking about that. We know that, <laughs> we know that we're gonna need at least six in install crews by next summer. Um, we've 
uh, let some of our skilled, uh, some of our apprentices that we know are, you know, almost to that point of running their own truck, we let them know they got a timeline that they need to be ready to go by the end of winter. Um, we've talked, we've already talked about uh, what we're going to do with our existing vehicles and adding to the fleet to prepare for uh, for that influx. Well, last year too, you know, Gina was, he was really pushing us, you know, and we ended up buying eight new service rigs, uh, and then we geared up for that fifth and sixth crew. Yeah. And uh, so we had the trucks ready. We're ready. So, yeah, yeah you, you need to, you can't wait till you got the crew. You yeah. got to have the truck or the service van ready. When yeah. you get that guy, you can put him in a van. The truck. What is so, it? Is, mm-hmm. is it like six months or, or is it, I mean, you yeah, have it. It takes a good three. I mean, if you're going to tool, I will say a service van. I don't care if you buy a used one or a new one. If you buy a new one, you're going to wait to get it. But then you got to stick another $7,000 in bins, ladder racks, and then you got to sure. spend another $8,000 stock in it. Sure. So you got quite the investment into these trucks, and it takes three to four months to get those things together. And on an install truck, we use cube bands, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with a big box truck, 12, 14 foot boxes, and inside them is a four foot brake. A Pittsburgh shelves, workbenches, stock of sheet yep. metal, and all and whatever you need. That's a four or five month deal to get those together. Sure, sure. Yeah, well, you got to plan ahead. Absolutely plan ahead. Sure. So let's say you hire. Um, let's let's go with the experience route. If you if you hire an experienced service tech or installer, lead installer, what's my what's his onboarding process like? Is he riding along with someone so you make sure he actually knows what he knows or how long is that process? What do, what do you guys what do you guys do? Yeah, I mean, so usually we'll sit them down for a day um, and just do a in-house onboarding, do a PowerPoint presentation about the company, guidelines, rules, and all of that. And then say it's a, a service tech, for example. We're going to send them out with our senior service guys, you know, have him do the work, but have him supervise, check where he's at. But then you have training on, you know, a successful remote. You have um, training on, you know, company policies and the way that we do repairs. And then you have customer training, customer service training and all of that, too. So yeah. even with an experienced guy, I would say at the very least, it's probably three weeks uh, <clears throat> okay. before we get him out there on his own. Yeah. And the other thing Mitch does, too, especially with the CCRs, he, he spends about, what, Two to three days when they're new, he takes uh, two days, three days, uh, two days, usually. yeah, two days, eight hours a day, and he's got powerpoints. He's training them, teaching them about how to use the phone and the whole nine yards. Scripting, that's amazing. Scripting and all of that. What a furnace is, what an air conditioner is. Yeah. That's great. On the on the apprentice side, so I I get hired, don't know a thing, you know. I don't know what a wrench versus hammer is. <laughs> Maybe not that bad. Uh, what is what's my apprenticeship? How long is that for you guys? When when can I get in? And then what's my next step from there? Do I go with installers to learn that part first before I go to service, or what's your process? Typically, yes. Um, typically, yes. You you we found that you learn more installing for you know three to six months at a minimum before jumping back to service if that's where that if that's where that guy's heart is at he wants to be a service tech maintenance tech um start out doing install you got to learn the fundamentals you got to learn what what even goes on before you can learn how to fix it uh, or maintain it and um depending on how that goes you know so usually within 90 days we're going to know if that where that guy is going to be he you know he should have made you know pretty substantial progress by then and we we run into situations where the guy was dead set on being a service tech ended up loving install and (laughs) uh, you know and vice versa too but it there's no set timeline on how long it takes for them to learn because as long as they're learning as long as they're making progress yeah um we want to set them up for success because if we don't set them up for success then we don't succeed either and sure uh, so we have to work you know we have to work with them and and how well you know that they are 
retaining all that knowledge. Yeah, Griff will do these uh, reviews with, with some of the newer guys, kind of sit them down, see where they're at, and then we're going to say, okay, this is what we you know expect you to learn by this time. Try to give them some kind of deadline to learn something. Mm, um, mm-hmm. That's good. And that seems to help out quite a bit. Yeah. So there's an expectation they gotta they've gotta meet something versus just yeah. sit back and get comfortable. I like that a lot. That's good. Oh, Doc, you look at your essay something. Now you just you um, me out. <laughs> I was uh, is with the training is like okay, I kind of forgot what I was gonna say, but um, it throwing them into install is probably the most important thing for a service guy. Even mm-hmm. even season one, I want them to see what we're doing. Even for two or three days, go work with these guys. You see how we operate, sure. and and I, that's for service guys pretty important. Let them have a couple of days to install. We mm-hmm. even let them sit with the girls for you know two or three hours and see what kind of what that's they great. have to go through. Sure, on there. Sure. But the key thing is his training, and Mitch has been he's an amazing trainer. He loves to train. It's yeah. one of his. One of his passions, and he's really very, very good at it. Yeah. So, training—you can't—you never stop training. You just yeah. we have our own classes. We um, we've got uh, furnaces and air conditioners set up, propped up that are all working in our shop. Uh, we try to tr- have at least two training classes a month, whether okay. off for the install or the service. And basically, you, you can't ever stop training. Yeah. Ever. Now, now those two, those two you're talking about, are those technical related or are those communication as well? Oh, a good, all technical at that point. Okay. But the, the communication thing kind of happens in the beginning uh, during the like, okay, this is how you drive up to the house. This yeah. is what you say, and this is what you don't say. And- <laughs> well, for the even senior. You know, seasoned service technicians, we show them all of the airtime videos about how okay. to act, uh, approaching the house, yeah. uh, approaching the door. That we we follow the airtime model exactly as far as mm-hmm. that goes. Yeah. Do you do you guys get together like weekly to to talk about that stuff, or is it just as needed? What's that kind of ongoing training look like? Uh, yeah, actually, we do uh, weekly service meetings uh, where we actually even do role playing, um, talking the straightforward pricing guides. Um, uh, our biggest one is the repair versus replacement calculator, calculator, sure. which is one of the most powerful tools that we have, really, and sure. one of the most never used tools. <laughs> it's it requires some <laughs> power for sure. It is powerful, though. Yeah. So, so every Tuesday, yeah, we have a service meeting at 7.15, and it usually go for 45 minutes to an hour and a half. Okay. And we got guys out to the first call. On Wednesdays, we have uh, we have the installers meeting, which we used to mm-hmm. never have. We, mm-hmm. For the last two months, every week now we're having an installer meeting. Sales is every Thursday. They're 80% yeah. of our revenue. They are – it can, can get out of control real fast. Sure, sure. And, then on Thursday mornings, they have a sales meeting. So okay. since we've been doing that, it seems to have taken out a lot of, we've always had service meetings, but you got to have meetings with your crews and same with your CCRs, everything. Yeah. You got to meet to talk. We do that every two weeks on Fridays. Yeah. Oh, okay. you, say that again. We do every two weeks on Friday. Do you guys get together? or Yeah, with the, with the uh, CCRs. Okay. With the CCRs. Okay, very good. Very good. And I want to talk, we haven't talked sales yet, and there's a lot to unpack there. I want to I want to pursue that. But to before I forget, this install meeting you just started doing. And you know, I I'm intrigued. What what are you guys talking about? Is it just callbacks? Is it just technical stuff? Is it what are those meetings look like so other people can know? One thing that so we talk about callbacks, all that, but we talk about, you know, if there's changes with equipment. Um, for example, equipment's been tough to get. Oh, sure. We're putting some mixed match things in there. And a lot of these installers are really anal about their work. And they're wondering why we're giving them a C coil or a C cabinet coil and a B cabinet furnace. <laughs> yeah. Um, so communicating, but one thing that helps keep everything in line, service, sales, and install, we go around the table and give everyone a chance to talk. Oh, like it. And Sometimes that'll bring up some things in the field that they've seen or 
whatever it is that we can fix together mm -hmm. and that, that helps us communicate and yeah uh, i would say one of the bigger topics that we talk about it every week for sure is communicating mm -hmm. our install technicians communicating with the customer about how their how their system's going to operate training them on how to use their thermostat that's great uh, and training them on this is what how your furnace is supposed to work or if it's a heat pump you know they they communicate with the customer how you know what what temperatures their auxiliary heat should kick on or emergency heat um let's see also a, a big thing a lot of it comes back from it's feedback from the service techs a lot of the time uh sure. but you know especially we use a lot of these april air filters and so uh clear communication with the customer on how long these filters are rated to last versus how mm -hmm. long are they should be checking their filters that that is a huge mm -hmm. thing and i would say the number one um communication error that we're making on the especially on the install side um but um it is it's always it usually tends to be a filter thing because just because that filter is rated for a year does not mean that it is going to last a year. Every house is built different. Sure, sure. So a lot of it's just communicating with the homeowners, teaching your installers to talk, have these conversations so that it doesn't lead to callbacks or anger later on, it sounds Correct. Like. That's absolutely yeah. right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> on, on they have a checklist that we use, and Great. sometimes it's pencil whipped, I'd like to kill them. But <laughs> the big, really the biggest thing is, is going over the end of the job with the customer and showing them and spending the time. Sometimes they don't want to do it. Sometimes the right. customers don't want to do it. No, no, no. Sure. And, it, and it bites us in the butt every time. Every time yeah. they go, well, they didn't show me anything. You yeah, know, and they yeah. lie. You know, and then we're pissed off at our guy. We come find out the customer lied. You know? Actually, we just went over with our uh, installers this morning. was our meeting. And uh, we use a product called Company Cam. And on, oh, sure. our, on our install checklist, we have items that are required to take pictures of. And we have our installers at the end of the job when they're going through the final product with the customer, you know, showing them that, you know, that see your air conditioner is level. We have the level sitting on there. And, Perfect. and doing those finer notes. And some of it is it's kind of secret humble bragging. It's like, see, this is why you paid for what you paid for. Right. No, that's smart. That's smart. Yeah, if you're going to be more expensive, give them. You got to be there. You have to have a reason. And and why at the end of that sales circle, not leave them on a high, right? And and so instead yeah, they go, whoa, that was yeah. I get if it. I anybody, you know, when I when we went to Gettle in Las Vegas and we saw their operation, and that's one of the key things that I would and tell people that are you know coming up and you got to go visit other companies. Yeah, and if you're if you're heating company, get company cam or eye auditor. It will change and improve the way you do things with your employees because now you're mm -hmm. kind of making them accountable. And also, mm -hmm. the sales guys go out and they take pictures and movies and all that. That's all in company cam, so anybody can go in there to look at it. It isn't like it's on yeah. their computer. One of the biggest best things that we have done in the last two years was uh, do that. That's great. I suggest great. everybody do the same thing. Good stuff. They're a vendor partner too, so that's always good. <laughs> um, all right, I got to talk sales. And we're 50 minutes into this. So we haven't talked sales and we're talking to a sales company. Um, so what, so we, you know, we talked about hiring technicians and call takers. When we are all your, I know you have two technicians that can sell, it sounds like, but most are comfort advisors or, or salespeople. Are those people that, made a transition from tech technicians or were they from outside the industry uh, and you saw something in them or is there like a blend? Our top guy, Garrett, um, was a service tech for five years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Garrett's the guy that just, he walks in the door, he glows, he has a smile on his face. Um, yeah. Garrett was a selling tech for about two years and he was pretty, okay. he was pretty damn good at it. He's our top sales guy right now. Um, and we have another sales guy who worked for Doc um, 20 years ago in install. <laughs> and yeah. so 
he's he's got some experience but the other two um chad came from doing parks and recreational management and hmm. this is his first year and he's he's doing well and uh, yeah right now he's at 1.4 million that's great um, he just got his first formal training last week from gino okay. yeah. and um ryan uh, used to sell for uh, steel structures america he very good at you know building scope and and measuring things and all of that. So all of them have besides Chad have some sort of experience. Okay. We almost look for a a level of a of a communicator. It's almost a communicator that we are trying to look for that can get on the same level as the customer. So you know with some personalities, if you're a service tech. I mean, you start talking, you know, variable speed motors and compressors, all this stuff. You can watch their eyes glaze over. I've done it myself. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, you are the <laughs> you're the last guy. No, but you, that's funny. Yeah, right? exactly. But but you have to be able to, uh, I, actually, what I say all the time is you really aren't salesmen. You're educators. You are trying to educate that customer on what they're uh, trying to purchase. And you're not trying to sell them anything. It's up for them. We don't know what their situation is. They know what's best for them. You have to be good at communicating what those options are. And so we have a perfect blend of uh, technical technicians uh, versus guys that have never been in the industry at all. All of them have their own way of breaking it down all the minutia to the customer and talking to them in a language that they can understand. That's great. Being um, the biggest thing is like, be honest and yeah. do the right thing and just don't try to shove this stuff down their throat, man. Yeah. And you know, we have a procedure, you know, we've got four different options to give people. Okay. And yeah. uh, you know, of course you're probably not going to like this one, but I got to show it to you anyhow, you know, sure. Usually people pick in the middle, but just being honest and 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 I think if they don't like you or trust you, you're done. Yeah, you know, right. You have to obtain those two things. You got to get that credibility, and uh, and trust me, we've gone through some really bad sales guys with really bad closing rates, and we hung on to them. And yeah. Ryan, we had to let him go at one point because he just he'd been to schools. He said and everything, but I think he had some problems. We had to let him go. But sure. then he came back, and he was just uh, we brought him back, and he's been on fire. He's been on fire. He's doing really good. In six months, that's great. Not let up. Yeah, that's At great. One point, he had a seventy percent closing rate Ooh. way back in the beginning, but then he just slid all the way down to hell. And uh, but now he's back, and he's did. He was outside the industry. He only had building experience. Nothing yeah. To do with heat. So, so what's that training? What do you guys do for, for someone, you know, who comes in without industry experience to sell equipment? What's your training process? Run like them that? with install for a good while. Okay. Uh, I, I'll train them. We'll send them with the sales guys and all that. But they got to understand how the systems are installed, where the venting okay. goes, what we're doing. Yeah. Um, and that could be a month. Um, and then Gino helps us out with, uh, we still send these guys down to Sacramento to meet him. Excellent trainer Get, gives these guys a platform and then we practice it. Okay. And yeah. And keep practicing, keep practicing. If you don't use it, you're going to lose it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of role, a lot of role play, right? Practicing. Yeah. We, a lot of times what's kind of funny with, with these four guys we have is they're buddies too. And oh, okay. the conversations that you hear just kind of walking by the sales office is just like, well, this is what I would do, man. It's it's really cool to watch them help each other out. Mm-hmm. That's neat. How much how much do you guys utilize scoreboards and and showing guys the numbers and kind of driving that competitive angle a little bit? Is that a big part of it as well? Yeah, every every week I update our. Uh, Company budget, our uh, C CCR booking rate on their uh, incoming phone calls, and then all the maintenance and service tax, uh, we put up their uh, month-to-date numbers. Oh, and and uh, along with that comes with uh, the 12% 12, 12, 
12 plus success rates or whatever they're going on versus yep. getting sold and then their uh, club ratio as well. And you have, it definitely gets uh, really competitive, especially the generated revenue in service and maintenance. They all want to be the top dog there. And, um, you know, I think that, I think our maintenance guys, it's kind of funny. They get, they get frustrated because it's, you know, hard for them to generate a ton of revenue on a yeah. you know, system, especially that we installed. Sure. Uh, but, but yeah, it gets, it gets pretty competitive in a good way though. It's, it, so it's pretty cool to keep an eye on the numbers. Like, you know, we do it specifically just to make sure that the ship is moving the right direction. Sure. Um, we want to share with everyone. We want to let everyone know. Here's what we're moving toward. Here's what what our goals are, and by keeping our fingers on it, everyone knows what they've got to do. Um, yeah. So it, it it I believe it brings a level of transparency that our employees um, like to be a part of. Yeah, for sure. I guess um, you you know which techs are better at uh, flipping leads versus who's your better club yeah. club salespeople. Oh, and- oh yeah. There, there's some. There, there's a couple of our, our couple of senior guys are absolutely the worst at selling the club memberships. <laughs> yeah, the young guys are the best. It's, yeah. Yeah, our young guys, they just, I mean, they're darn near a hundred percent every month. Yeah. Uh, but it, but those guys are also taking the low hanging fruit because they know that they can close those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. they're trying to sell everything they can get. That's fine. <laughs> but yeah, That's showing fun. the numbers. And we have our boards up there in the conference room where, yep. where we do in our training room. So everything's there. Everybody can see it. And sometimes yeah. we clients in there to discuss whatever we're going to do, and they look at that stuff, and it just kind of sets us to a little above some of the other companies and stuff like yeah. that. That's great. That's awesome. Well, I'm going to start wrapping this thing up. Guys, I really appreciate all your time. This was a lot of fun. Hopefully you enjoyed it as well. I mean, there's a lot more things I could ask, but um, where do you, let's, let's talk about the future. What, what do you guys see uh, for the next five years for, for holiday? And, and then doc, what are you going to end up doing? Are you going to start fishing a lot or what, what, do, what are we going to do with all this free time you're going to have, have eventually? No, I, it's really <laughs> weird because I still feel like I'm a 16 year old boy. Although yep. I don't look like it. Um, <laughs> I, I'm ready. I really wanted to hang on another year, but yeah. you know, I'm ready to get out and I am leaving this thing at a good spot. I'm leaving it at what I dreamed of getting to. I feel like now I'm one of those guys. We're up yeah. there on stage. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's a great achievement. Um, I'm still going to stay involved right now since, and one thing I do know pretty well, pretty good is the numbers. Uh, owners got to know the numbers. Yeah. And I can't stress enough that you got to know those numbers. So I, I'm going to plan on taking off in January for maybe two or three weeks and see what happens. But yeah. I'm just available by phone. I can still plug in 6S where sure. I can still see what's going on. I don't want them to make a mistake. I don't believe they will. With uh, Gino behind us, the airtime things that we're doing, we're in pretty good shape. Uh, that's kind of what I plan. Um, also the advertising, three mm-hmm. things, never stop advertising, ever, yeah. ever, ever stop advertising. Don't stop training. And this was a long, and I don't know how many times Gino's put it at boot in our ass. Never stop recruiting, yeah. ever. And yeah. those three things are important. The advertising, you spend what, whatever you got, it takes to get the phone to ring. On that, yeah. on that note with, uh, what we've learned as well, which it seems counterintuitive, but when things start getting slow, you advertise more. You invest more money in advertising. Not you don't scale it back. Back right. When, uh, when COVID hit, um, a lot of our competition, you know, because we thought the same thing too. We're like, oh my god, you know, we're you know, this is going to really hurt, and so we were, you know, getting ready to scale things back. And sure. It was Gino that said, absolutely not. You better dump more money in. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of our competition made that made that same that mistake. And we skyrocketed out of COVID. It, we yeah. were yeah. that was that we went we went two million dollars during COVID. Yeah. That we grew to and pretty good for small. Sure. The other kind of advertising that I 
people were wanting to know is we found that branding and billboards are a perfect combination. Mm-hmm. And when we do billboards, we'll do 10 or 11 of them. And we do them every three or four months, I think. And then depending on the commercials and stuff like that that we use, we don't sell anything. We don't, no, uh, no, we're no gimmicks. We're, we're, yeah. It's all about holiday heating, who we are. And yeah. no call to actions. We're very, very yeah. little call to action. Yeah. 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 Do any of that. And I, that's, those are huge things. If you want to grow, you got to be seen. Yeah. And all that money to advertise is to get the phone to ring. Now, mm-hmm. now, now the game is on. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where you got to have really good people up front to set the lead, close the deal. You know, like, are we going to install or are we got a service call? Yeah. Whole reason. That's great. That's great. Well, hey, well, Chris and Mitch, what do you? How about you guys? You, you're, you're young. You've got the future. What, what do you? Where do you want to take this thing over the next five, ten plus years? Well, we've got, we've got some pretty good ideas. We sat down with actually uh, a couple of our senior service techs last night. Uh, there's uh, our neighboring community, uh, Coeur d'Alene, has kind of um, been untouch, an untouched resource for us to a certain amount. Sure. Uh, I. I want to continue to grow sustainably. I don't want the I don't want to get too big too quick. Um, you know, COVID kind of made us blossom faster than I think that we really anticipated that we even would. But we want to continue that that sustainable growth. And um, yeah, I see. Uh, you know, I I don't see any reason in the next shoot. It could even be the next two years. We want to hit 10. I want to hit 10, but I don't want to grow too big. I want to keep sure. that family atmosphere and that good culture that we're all, that we're, I, I don't, I don't want people walking through that. I have no idea who they are. Right. I don't want to lose that feel. And, and I think that's part of what separates us from our competition around here. And so that's good. Uh, getting too big is something I don't necessarily want to do, but at the same sure. time, it also seems like it's inevitable. Yeah. Well, as long as you do it the right way. Yeah. The, the, the biggest thing for me is I want to get a lot with a lot of our current employees that are really making, help us make the clock tick. Um, I want to see them grow up, grow with us and stay with us as well. And just make this a more excellent place to work. And just, I want to watch it grow just like Chris. And I want to learn, keep learning from our mistakes. We're never going to quit doing that. Um, but I don't know. I could I could see maybe in five years us being maybe 10 million. Yeah. And you, you just don't, it's just hard to predict it at this point where I'm you're sure. going to be. <laughs> Getting the people is, yeah. man, if you have people just standing in line. Oh, it would be easy. <laughs> right. You got the infrastructure in place, right? Well, good stuff. Well, guys, this was really, really enjoyable. Thank you so much for all your time. Any any last words or, or I think you, you said your piece? Um, you know, I just, uh, I always saw the Compass Magazine and I always wanted to be in it, but I always felt like I wasn't ready for it because yeah. I didn't have anything to really offer. <laughs> um, being... And the last thing I would say is, you know, you can have all these bragging rights. Yeah, we did this much. But if you can't show profitability of something decent, none of it was worth it. Right. You know, you don't want to do 10 million and make 4% at profit. You might as well have done uh, 5 million and made 20% profit. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, so your profitability is is a, a number one goal. Take care of your customers. Take care of your employees and uh, go out and have fun. Good stuff. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so very, very much. Really appreciate it. Uh, maybe I'll see you at an expo or something down the line. Uh, I'd love to see you guys sometime soon. So you guys have a great rest of your day, and thank you for your time. That's Doc Holiday, Chris Holiday, and Mitch Armitage of Holiday Heating and Cooling in Spokane, Washington. Thanks for joining us. If you feel like you have a great story worth sharing that would also help other contractors, email me at bhouchin at yoursgi.com. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, if you're on YouTube, give us a like and subscribe. If you're on your favorite podcast player, leave us a five-star review. And please join us for future episodes. 
It's my promise to you that we will continue to interview successful contractors and other influential individuals in residential contracting. This is The Successful Contractor, powered by Success Group International. Support for this podcast comes from Arzell HVAC Zoning Technology. Arzell has been producing innovative zoning systems for over 35 years. We manufacture the highest quality HVAC zoning equipment from our factory in Cleveland, Ohio. Innovation, customer service, and outstanding products backed by a lifetime warranty are why so many contractors only use Arzell zoning. We offer easy to install solutions from a basic two zone system all the way up to custom zoning applications. For more information, go to arzellzoning.com or email us at marketing at arzellzoning.com. The Successful Contractor Podcast is part of the Success Group International family. SGI is the largest member-owned best practices organization for independent residential services contractors. SGI provides its members a competitive edge through proven proprietary management tools and expertise, marketing programs, training, and group buying power, along with a highly active and eager to help membership. For more information about Success Group International, visit www.yoursgi.com.